Well, hello and welcome to After the Breach podcast. This is episode 20 and we're diving in to a year-end recap with Monica, who's joined us before from Orca Behavior Institute. And uh, we're going to go a little unhinged today. We're, we're alive and unhinged at the end of our season, aren't we? Aren't we, guys? We are. We are. Yeah. Ahoy. <laughs> Ahoy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're just going to kind of recap the, the year with all of the different whale sightings. And, you know, even though it's now mid-November and almost late November, um, let's start it off with the news of a super pod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Today of all days, there, was, there were a couple of things I was going to come in and talk about that we hadn't seen this year. And one of them was a super pod. And <laughs> can't say that anymore. So it's our first actual true super pod, the entire Southern resident community. Um, we know that they're all, all getting together in the summer out west in the Strait of Juan de Fuca and Swiftshire Bank. But this is our first one in inland waters. Um, came in, of course, went past us on San Juan Island in Harrow Strait overnight of so course we we didn't get to see them but uh up through the canadian gulf islands into the strait of georgia this morning and, and they're still going north yeah and they got up to like enterprise reef which is kind of outside active pass for those not familiar um and did a little split yeah so jays and k's were in the lead with the l12s and they took active pass which was the most common route but the greater l4s and the l54s took trincomalee channel so they went up and then through porlier pass into Strait of georgia okay so they did go through porlier they did right. oh very cool so when we talk about active pass probably almost every episode because there's always incredible sightings it's an and, active pass uh, <laughs> it is and we really should in the show notes post like a, a map of where that is, but um, if I you are, I think that can be arranged. Yeah, we can do it. And if you are following along at home um, and you want to see where it is, uh, you can go to this. Um, there's a cool internet tool called <laughs> Google, and <laughs> okay, uh, Jeff. alive and unhinged, alive for and sure. Unhinged. Well, w- we kind of dove into this episode because we were talking before we started recording. We just started talking about the superpod today and. Then it's like, hey, why why aren't we just talking on the podcast like now? And so, um, this is a long winded way of come on, man, I'm tired. <laughs> um, <laughs> long long winded way of so, Monica, you just mentioned uh, first superpod uh, in the inland waters this year. We like you said, we know they go on on the outer coast. Um, and and probably in the Strait of Juan de Fuca out on the western end too. So it depends where you where you define inland waters. But certainly the first one that's come in as far as Harrow Strait. Right. So it's not like oh they never get together and they never have these superpods. But what really strikes me about this, and and I've talked about this before with uh, being newer here um, and not being around in the the heyday of the southern resident visits in the summer. Uh, first super pot of the year in November used to be like by mid, mid to late May from what I've heard. Uh, not always, uh, J's and K's would usually come in by May. L's were always a little late to the party. So sometimes it would be into June or something like that. Occasionally July for all of them, a true, true super pod. But, uh, I mean, they put the event Superpod in July because that was sort of like the money time to see a superpod, right? Like the human superpod, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but new superpod week is in November because uh, exactly this week last year we had a superpod go north into the Strait of Georgia. In- incredible, 
and and probably would have been rare 10 15 years ago to have a, a super pod in November. I'm I'm guessing. I don't know. Or I mean, at least our first super pod, well, you know, sure. I, of that, the year that, that in was, November. That was my next question was going to be like how many just roughly like back 15 plus years ago, how many super pods would be witnessed in the inland waters over the course of a year? Oh, I don't it's I mean, just, tough. Just I mean if they guess. stay together for days, is that yeah. one super pod? Right. But certainly having a super pod occur in June and July was the norm. Right. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to Monica. Um, if you guys are curious about learning more about the history of these whales, um, about like places that they visit and that kind of thing, um, she wrote an amazing book, Endangered Orcas, all about the southern resident killer whales. There's a lot of great stories in there. Uh, Monica, she, they can get it online. Is that right? Yep, pretty much wherever Anywhere. books are sold. Yeah. Endangered Orcas <laughs> by Monica. So look it up, get it. Perfect Christmas gift, holiday gift. It just says by Monica lover. too. It doesn't say by, anything else. <laughs> So very cool that, uh, and, and they had a cool split and then got back together. I'm guessing so, yeah. And so seems like they're going to head back up towards Campbell River. And was it Jays and Ks that were up there last week? Yeah, it was never 100% confirmed. Um, but was likely them. There was a big group of spread out whales up there. Um, they were certainly up there in the northern strait of Georgia somewhere. So, yeah, because we saw photos. Like we had photos of two K pod whales, right? Wasn't that from that encounter? Oh, right up at Powell River. Yeah. So, I thought they were still up there, and then they were coming inbound yesterday. Well, that's <laughs> the th- that's the thing is when did they sneak by? Yeah. Um, they I'm guessing they came down Rosario because um, mm-hmm. we've got hydrophones now in Harrow and San Juan Channel. Um, and it may have just been, you know, the day before yesterday uh, right. that Jason K snuck down Rosario overnight and, and they all met up out west. Yeah, really, really cool how they can move move by without us knowing and then disappear west or disappear up north. And then in the past few years, I mean, we've been seeing them more or have been aware of their presence more in the inland waters uh, over the wintertime. Then in spring and summer. Yeah. So you guys know I love the numbers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the numbers. (laughs) So April to September used to be what we would say the peak season was for Southern residents here. And they used to average, you know, 10, 20 years ago over that time span, they would be here about 130 days during those months. And in the last five years, that average has fallen to just 52 days between April and September. And so the old pattern has completely flipped where we now have them here more from October to March than we do April to September. Wow. Fascinating. Things hit me right off the bat from that is, is, you know, first thing is the number of people that say, well, you know, how come they can't adapt and eat something else? And this, this is clearly the way they're choosing to adapt, um, which is wonderful to in if you think about how long at adaptation can take and within a generation they've completely flipped their old patterns and and have thrown them out which i think tells you how smart they are and then the other thing that hits me is that the policy side of things and the recovery efforts and um in and both sides of the border, the all the policymakers and everybody is still talking about and spending their budgets on April through September. Yep. 
on the west side of San Juan Island, like in the same places too. It's it's amazing how long it's taken for, or if it, you know, we may not even still be there, that fact that this trend has changed to get out there and be sort of common knowledge, because you're right, people still think the Southern residents are around the San Juan Islands on almost a daily basis in the summer. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense to put protections into place, especially if they're geographic protections um, in places where the whales are not currently spending their time. And I, and I think too, this, this also creates the confusion, people watching from shore, during the spring, summer, fall months, when we're with killer whales almost every single day, and it's every single day, it's with bigs, but they're assuming they're southern residents because they don't... It's how it used to be. It's yeah. How it, yeah, it's how it used to be. There's confusion even in how the media portrays it, because on one hand, we're talking about this endangered population that's failing to recover. And then on the other hand, we're getting stories about record numbers of killer whales in the right. area, which right. both are true. But there's the nuance behind that of the two different populations mm-hmm. here that gets lost a lot of time, especially in the popular media. And I think people are confused about yeah, absolutely. who's here, how are they doing, what's really going on with both these populations. So you mentioned this kind of new normal um, or this new peak season for Southern residents um, and said that they are here more now October to March versus April to September. Um, my question is, are they here more October through March than they were historically? Or are they here now more October to March because they are not here as much? Does that make sense? Gotcha. No, I know exactly what you're asking. You're getting all granular with this. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic question. Um, So two things are happening. One is October to December, all three pods typically go down into Puget Sound where Mm -hmm. they're feeding on chum salmon. And that has been the case since around 2000 or so. And that continues to be the case in general, slightly at above numbers of 20 years ago. So they've actually increased the time that they're spending in Puget Sound in the fall. And not surprisingly, the Chum Puget Sound fall runs are very strong. Um, So they've responded to that. And Puget Sound just for, I think there are some people that are still confused that think Puget Sound is just all the inland waters. But this is, we're just talking about Puget Sound down by Seattle, um, south yeah. south of, of Whidbey Stra- Island and South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whidbey Island and South into uh, south of the Strait of Juan de Fuca. The, the second thing that's going on is January to March, um, jays are almost here consistently. Mm-hmm. They're not leaving inland waters and they're spending a lot of that time in the Strait of Georgia. I suspect that's been the case for quite a while, um, but we don't get a lot of reports of them up there. Um, right. There's a lot of water. Sea conditions aren't great that time Mm -hmm. of year. Daylight's limited. There's just not a lot of eyes. Not a lot of people up there. Yeah. (laughs) But now that we're tracking tracking them to the level that we are, we've started a new metric of speculated days of Southern resident Mm -hmm. presence because we know if Jays go up into the Strait of Georgia on a Monday and come back down on a Thursday, that they were here in the Sailor Sea Tuesday and Wednesday, even though we didn't get a report of them. And by using that method, you know, we had them here... um, almost every day from mid-January through March. Um, and wow. so by by tracking it in that way, the numbers are going up for that time of year. Although I suspect that for J-Pod, the Strait of Georgia has long been where they've spent those months. Very interesting. Okay, thanks. My big takeaway from this, I like to be optimistic. And I'm, I'm going to take this as uh, an encouraging sign in their um, adapting to their their new normal and 
finding other places to go and maybe some other types of, of fish in some places. Uh, and that I'm, I'm going to take the optimistic route that this is a good thing that we're not seeing them during the times where we used to see them a lot, because we know during those times we know from um, the Albion test fishery uh, and, and other data, we know that what they used to eat here during those peak times, that Chinook salmon is not here. Uh, I, you know, I do hear anecdotal stuff from, from fishermen that say, you know, it's a great salmon here, but we know that whatever numbers of salmon are coming in Chinook, we know the size of those fish is drastically smaller than what it used to be. Mm -hmm. Well, this year was an interesting data point because the Chinook Fraser River numbers have really crashed over the last 15 years. And that's what's led the Southern residents to kind of abandon what was their core summer habitat. But this year was a little bit of an uptick again on the Fraser, at least relative to the last five years. So still much lower than historic averages, but better than we've seen in recent years. And it wasn't enough to bring the Southern residents back into inland waters in the summer, which is sad on one hand because right. we don't get to see them. But I actually took it as a good sign that they found something else good enough that it was worth staying out there. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I absolutely, because five years ago, you wouldn't see any kind of uptick and they'd still come in. Yeah. And, and, and would, it's like, what, what the are they circuit, doing? Right? right. And it's like, what are they doing here? There's like nothing. There are no Chinook running on, on the Fraser. What are they doing here? I'm with you. I think it's, that's an encouraging thing. And I think it's really important to have hope, right? Um, To have this like, optimistic look and and being real about it too like we need to be real about what's happening so we can you know work to to improve things but it's it's important to not like lose sight of what could be you know to have that hope that if if we do the hard work if we put it in that it, it could recover otherwise what are we fighting for yep exactly and another uh you know spark of hope from the Southern residents this year was two new calves in right. L pod, um, in the L 12 subgroup, L 126 and L 127. Um, so fun when there's two calves <laughs> in the same group, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we got to see them a couple times this summer and just little balls of energy and yeah. chasing each other around like crazy. And how can you not have hope watching that? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And keep it up. L 12 subgroup having two new calves, like they're carrying it now. <laughs> They, uh, they really are carrying L-Pod. Uh, they are, I think, the only um, females in L-Pod that are producing calves yeah. at all at the rate we would expect, right? Right. From what I have read, L-Pod really controls the trajectory of, of the entire popula population of Southern residents that, you know, Jays are, are not, I wouldn't say static, but they're... they're yeah, they're actually a, a little above... Um, what they were, what know? they were yeah. and, and K's are, are, are where K's are <laughs> and it's L well, the <laughs> swings it's the, the swings up and down in L pod that really drive the, the total number of the population. I mean, they are, yeah. they do have the largest of the three. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And they've experienced the biggest decline. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there used to be 50 whales in L pod and now it's like wow. 33 or yeah. something like yeah. that. So um, yeah. When, when was it that they had 50? Well, I just have that number in my mind um, because when they did the original naming contest for L-Pod um, in the 1980s, um, there were 50 at that point in time. Right. And that wow. was that was post-capture. 
so we kind of started this backwards by just kind of jumping into latest sightings uh, starting today, right? Mixing with some Southern resident numbers. Let's talk about some bigs numbers. And we had one awesome latest sighting uh, where uh, Sarah, Monica, and I, and, and um, Alex and April were out on the water. And we didn't have a trip, but we went out and saw an awesome uh, three families of bigs killer whales on a stellar sea lion hunt. Well, not to get people excited about that and then like go back to the numbers, but let's finish up with the bigs numbers before we get into that. Yes. All right. <laughs> Unhinged. Unhinged. I'm just so excited for all of this. And I'm, it was an amazing experience. I just don't think I, I'm going to be able to talk about it and then go back to the numbers. Yeah. Hey, I am, I am not married to any numbers here, any order here. I just... Let's let's I like that we're doing this unplanned and just off the cuff. Off the cuff. So I just throwing stuff out there in whatever order you guys Monica's want to talk like about. Monica's like about ready to walk out of here. <laughs> no, I'm just sad that you couldn't go from a exciting encounter back to numbers. That makes me sad cuz I get I get equally excited about both. No, numbers are great. I get very excited about the the I bigs do, numbers because every year it's like okay well how it, high can they go? Yeah. Right. It can't get more, we can't get more than this and every year it, it we do. So you're doing, you know, your year end recap and really the big year has not ended by any no. means. Um, so through October, we have already beaten last year's record number of sightings um, wow. for Biggs killer whales. And to put this in perspective, 2017 was a huge jump in sightings. And, and we consider a sighting um, a unique group on a unique day. Um, so not just number of days present because they've maxed those out a long time ago, right. but number of different groups that are utilizing the area. And in 2017, which was a big jump, it was 600 something, you know, just under mm -hmm. 700. And it was like, surely this is the top. Right. And 2022 was almost double that. Wow. Right? We had, um, 1220 unique sightings in 2022 huh. throughout the entire Salish Sea. And through October of this year, we were at 1,270. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I, every year I'm asking myself, how, how high can they go? Yeah, that's, I mean. Clearly, I think they still have runway ahead of them. I mean, they've, it, they're certainly not exhausting their food supply here. Well, and like 109A2s are <laughs> helping the numbers by staying down in the sound for what, like seven weeks now? Yeah, so uh, it's. We do have some groups spending a lot more time here mm -hmm. than they used to weeks or even months. Like you said, we're on a pretty incredible consecutive day streak of confirmed I was, sightings. I was going to yeah. ask, have, have we had any days with no confirmed sightings of bigs this year? The last one was March 11th. Wow. So we're over 250 days straight. And really, I think they're here 365 sure, days a year. Sure. We just, we lose the streak in the winter with right. weather and all that. But this, I think this will be our record confirmed streak. And that's both because they're here so much more, but we have such a, you know, incredible community of people mm -hmm. out there reporting sightings and taking high quality photos and stuff that allows us to right. confirm these kind of numbers. But over 250 days straight, over 1,270 sightings. It's incredible to follow. Let's go for 365 days. I like it. It's just, it's <laughs> mind blowing. Tough, it's mind blowing to me. I mean, I... I always think back to this. So I came back out here in 2015 was my first season. And when I was thinking about making this change and buying it into, into my legacy whale watching and moving my life out here, if you had told me in 
2014 when I was thinking about this, that in 2023, for that season, the Southern residents would barely be here between March and September. Few days they are, you're not going to be able to view them inside a thousand yards. I would have been like, there's no way that I'm doing this. Like, there's going to be no whale watching. And then the fact that we see killer whales uh, almost every single day on our trips. Not every day. I mean, you know, there's there are days when they're in the Salish Sea, but they're not in anywhere close to the range of the San Juan Islands. But we do see them most days. And it's just shocking what has the evolution of this ecosystem in such a short period of time. Yeah, the Orca Behavior Institute, our first year was 2015. And in, during our first field season, we had three big killer whale encounters. Wow. Three. Mm-hmm. And we're closing in on 150 for this year. And some of that is we've grown and we have more people out there. But still, same thing. If you had asked me in 2015, I wouldn't have believed it, yeah. what we're looking at today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think like in 2012, I might have had two bigs encounters. And I mean, I wasn't out here as much as I am now, but, you know. I think I had the T30s in Griffin Bay and then T60s that fall. And you have a lot of folks that are even newer to the area, right, than you, Jeff. And they only know the bigs. This is the normal. And we're talking just in 10 years or less than 10 years, this this kind of change. It's just, it still blows my mind. It's incredible. And I mean, obviously, part of it is they're over, over the last 10 years, their population has exploded. But Part of it too, I think, has to be the either not the return because it's the, their food has been back here in numbers for a while. But you know, I think their recognition and learning and sharing the news that hey, the food's back down there. So one place they still have runway in front of them in terms of the numbers is the number of whales from the population that are utilizing the Salish Sea. Um, Typically, you know, over the last few years, we've had between 220 and 250 unique bigs killer whales that make an appearance in the Salish Sea. There's about 370 bigs in the intercoastal population. So there's still some other whales that aren't, <laughs> aren't here, right? Aren't utilizing this area. And, you know, I personally have met several new family groups yeah. just this year. So I think there are continuing to be more coming in, but I'm always surprised when I see that number. I'm like, there's, there's really more than a hundred that we basically never get in the Salish Sea, but that's still the case. So there's still room for growth for them there. Curious, any that are on that list that like are bucket list for you? Like, oh man, I hope they start using the Salish Sea. You know who I was just thinking of earlier, like right before this episode was like, Oh, because we were talking about the T-68Cs, and T-68C1 was last seen with T-68 and T-68A. And I was like, I have never seen those two, and I really want to see them. You know what I really want to have happen is a whale in the Bigs population that we have presumed deceased to come back show up. after a really long absence. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I want, like, T-20 and T-21 to come back or something <laughs> crazy. Like, that's what I want to witness that. Well, like did, a long didn't absence. something like that happen up north? Didn't somebody just like resurface that hadn't been seen in a while and was people thought was gone? T10. So she had been seen every year for 40 years and then was not seen last year and then was seen again this year. 
but oh, come on, one year absence. I want, I want, <laughs> I want 13 I want like years. A, like a 13 year absence, <laughs> like happened with the T46s. Yeah, that's sort of my bucket list because really I, I want to meet all of them. So all the ones I haven't met are on yeah. my, uh, one more number for yeah. you. So I said we're usually, you know, between 220, 250 individual bigs uh-huh. in the area. And through October, we we're already at 249. So okay. higher, higher than average. And I was thinking who could, still be added to that list because we have a couple family groups that usually come in in November, December mm-hmm. and only. And I was going to say, you know what? I bet we get the t- 252. And look who and showed, they up, showed today. up today. Yep. So yeah. that was the second thing I was going to bring up that then <laughs> that then happened today. So they will be added to the total pushing us over, over 250. Nice. But yeah, they seem to be November, December, straight to Juan de Fuca whales. T252. Nice. And I think we, we saw them. Didn't we see them last year? Uh, you were out with us. No, we thought it was going to be them, but it was the T one twenty threes. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's same, right. I remember same that group trip. composition: yeah. four whales, one male. Yeah, yeah. that's when they were, they were porpoising in. Yes. Yeah, at race rocks. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. That was a cool trip. But Sarah, you've probably met the two fifty twos. I think so. I have to look. I, they might have been the ones with. Um, I'm shocked that you don't know. You know every whale I've ever seen. Well, and when I think they and were. Where. I think they were the California teas that were with mm-hmm. the 35As and the 38As on the day of the Stellar Sea Lion Hunt. We talked about this recently on an episode where I wasn't feeling well on the first trip. You yes. were like, "You have yeah. to stay out. Yes. Look where they are." And I stayed, and then they killed a Stellar Sea Lion. Yes. I think that was them. It, it may have been. I see. They this were, is where I rely on you for this. They were definitely some of the California teas. I have to look up and see. I, uh, there are usual California tea suspects up here. Yeah, so they're one of the bigs that have multiple alphanumeric designations. Right. So they previously were known by their CA numbers primarily, mm-hmm. um, and be, but because they've been seen up here regularly enough, they've been given a a high T number. Mm-hmm. Two fifty two. High T. I want to see all the high T's. All the high T's. The back of the book bigs. The not in the book bigs. The not in the book (laughs) bigs. Not in the book bigs would be cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, that's all my numbers. Okay, well, those are all. If you think of any more. I like whale numbers. It's just regular numbers that make me die inside. Who who doesn't (laughs) like whale numbers? But I, I think the overall numbers from both bigs and southern residents, I think you can, there's a lot of encouragement in both. Um, yeah, I think with Southern residents, they've clearly changed their pattern. And what we wouldn't want is for them to keep their old pattern because it wasn't leading them to a good result. And then the bigs pattern is just, you know, more, more, more. And who doesn't <laughs> like more whales? <laughs> yeah, the the Southern residents, you know, with the two calves and then the one presumed loss of K-34 that will likely be confirmed in January. Um, this is the first uptick in their population since 2015. Um, wow. So, yeah, hopeful sign. We should talk a little bit about, um, speaking of all these bigs, and we talked about a couple stellar sea lion hunts. Um, Sarah, Sarah's, <laughs> I'm mouthing. Sarah's mouthing to me like I'm, I'm – and Sorry. Just say it. Are you, are you going to mention the minky hunt? Well, let's talk about that first because it did happen first. And none of us were and there. And none of us were there. <laughs> but the same whales actually involved in both these instances in yes. part. Um, yeah. So yeah. so we had an episode, um, one of our earlier episodes, where we talked about a minky hunt. 
And We've that was about Minky Hunts in a couple episodes. We have. You got you and April saw a Minky production last year. Mi- last year, and I was I think it was October twentieth, and it was the sixty five A's and ninety nines. Mm-hmm. That was the only Minky Hunt I've ever seen a successful Minky Hunt. But right. we've we've mentioned them on this episode where we've seen them and they weren't successful, or they were successful and we didn't see the actual takedown. Right. Right. So and you know who we see, I feel like, at least pursue a minky every year? The T-18s. The T-18s, yes. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And they were the ones, I think, probably that got it. Like, Did it sounds most like. Most of the work. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about this on one of the previous episodes of T-18 was leading the charge on a minky a few years ago that they didn't get, but I bet she was leading, leading this one. So for this recent minky hunt... Um, the T forty nine A's and T sixty eight C's were had been spotted and were going up Harrow and started porpoising north, and their target was the T eighteens who were north of Turn Point and had a minky. Um, and the minky was not deceased yet, but was in clear distress, uh, as I heard it from those who yeah, saw. Yeah, it sounded pretty brutal. Ah, uh, um, and then it now that they were reinforced by the other whales coming on scene, they finished it about twenty minutes after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and it was a minky that was known in the local population, but had been not looking so well this yeah. year, spending mm-hmm. a lot of time logging at the surface, that sort of thing. Um, but man, minky hunts used to be quite rare here. Mm-hmm. And now if, I mean, if we have one back a year, that, years. that could be the end of the Salish Sea minkies in a decade. That's crazy. It's amazing to me to hear... That it took them 20 minutes once the rest of the whales, once the rest of the bigs got there. Well, it was it was already immobilized, I think. Right. Sounds, and, sounds like. And it's just, it's a, and, I, you know, I'm glad I wasn't there because it sounded brutal and yeah. I, I don't like to watch stuff like that. I'm just surprised because the, the minky hunt that, that we witnessed was very quick and it wasn't, it wasn't brutal. I mean, the, the, the hunt it wasn't that we watched, visibly brutal. It wasn't visibly brutal. Yes. Well, I mean, I, we had we saw two the two mom killer whales were clamped on with their teeth and just dead weight, and they drowned. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound brutal at all. Yeah, that's not brutal at all. But but well, it, I do it think I think sound, a quick death is yeah, yeah. is less brutal a quick, than quick drowning death. <laughs> well, know, I don't know. Very different to what like, I heard from the other one. So we, we had passengers on, on that trip and like they were aware of what was going on and they were all fascinated and realized that they were witnessing real wild nature. If we had had passengers at this one, I think people would have been asking us to leave. I heard this was more bloody and, and, but it got even <laughs> anyway. more interesting. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> after they took the minky down, um, a humpback whale came in. Nike. Nike. Um, so humpbacks have this reputation of sort of interfering with, with killer whale hunts, mm-hmm. um, even when they're not on other humpbacks. And so that was probably what Nike was hoping to do, even though it was too late in this case, but right. just disrupting uh, the bigs in action and, it's, it's so fascinating. It's a behavior that's seen from humpbacks all over the world, I guess. Yeah, um, crashing the meal. Yeah, and we don't we don't really know if it's you know actual altruism or mm-hmm. misplaced altruism mm-hmm. or just posturing, right? Um, saying, "Hey, we're we're here. We're watching you. We're big. We're tough. You know, <laughs> we've got leave, our eyes on leave you. us alone." And we've talked about that on other episodes. And somebody 
um, emailed us and and mentioned that um, hippos do this as well. They interrupt killer whale hunts. <laughs> <laughs> How cool would that be? If, if if we could see that on the water, that would be. I think that's a a t shirt idea. Oh gosh. Oh, uh, what are the, what do hippos interfere with? I think it was against crocodiles. I think was what mm. it was, but I, I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to go back and look. But it was a fascinating um, email to read and and kind of thinking about that. And we've seen it. Like we've seen them humpback whales like come in from afar. You know, when bigs were hunting seals, I've had that up yeah. at Orcas Island. In 2014, when I was down in Monterey Bay and had a gray whale calf predation, same thing. The humpback whales came right in and were there, like, as long as the killer whales were feeding, they were there. Like, being I, yeah, I recapped this most recent hunt on our social media and somebody commented and said, we don't deserve humpbacks. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. All right. So that was a few days before we saw them. Yeah. So the day kind of started with the... Uh, 49As and the 68Cs again, but coming up San Juan Channel. Um, and Jeff, you you were the first one to kind of pick them up. Yeah, so I was taking one of our boats around to the other side of the island for um, some scheduled maintenance and saw the shore reports that came that, that you had let me know about. Um, you had posted them on the app that they were seen from the ferry, and I think somebody else saw them from shore. So, yeah, I picked them up coming up San Juan Channel, and then told you to go uh, start looking from shore. Um, a little early? Is that what I heard? You did tell me to hurry when they were. Well, yeah, because you said you, four it was, miles away. It was. <laughs> it was. Uh, I had to leave, and I was hoping that you would uh, get visual. But it was cold. Yeah, it was cold. You're like, I'm. I. I don't want to go out too early. It's. It's freezing out there. And uh, and the day only got colder from I, there. From there. <laughs> Once I found them, they were they were much further along than I thought they were going to be, which is why I also texted you like "Go now." <laughs> they must have slowed down at some point, but then I, I although when I asked you how fast they were going, you know what you told me three knots. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't think they slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> it was early and it was before coffee. That's um, always your excuse. It is. Um, but while they were making their way up San Juan Channel, we also got a report of the T-123s that were inter-island uh, making their way west through Caillou Channel. So mm -hmm. there was there was another group in the area. Yeah. Um, and the, the 49As and 68Cs passed me. I was viewing from shore on the northern part of San Juan Channel, and, and they went into Spiden Channel. And then as soon as they were kind of around the corner, turned around, and you could see the blows from, from the 123s back down south in San Juan Channel. So Very cool. Well, and then we decided to just take one of our other boats and crew and, and you, Monica, and, and they're so close. Let's let's go out for an hour. The only time I've ever needed to convince Monica to come to the boat. Thank goodness you did. They really, um, they didn't get too far, right? They Right. Shortly before we got there, they stalled out in San Juan Channel, or uh, Spiden Channel, sorry. Mm -hmm. and, um, and went after a sea lion. A big, a a big, big stellar one. sea lion. Yeah, he was pretty big. So we got there. The hunt was was already, already on, already on with it, just the forty nine A's and sixty eight mm -hmm. C's. Yeah, like one of the most fascinating things for me, um, and we haven't talked about this offline at all. But it looked like a pretty typical stellar hunt. A lot of you know acrobatics and aerials and splashing, and then some whales would take a little bit of a break and kind of go and do a big circle, and then they'd come back in. And then we could see in the distance, we could see the blows of the 123s coming in. And as the 123s got 
close in their approach, all the whales went down. And before this, the sea lion was still looking pretty vigorous. He was very yes. vigorous. Yes, exactly. So you know exactly where I'm going with this. Yeah. Was, yeah. was the sea lion was still very much alive, and it looked like it, oh, this is gonna this could go Take on for while. another hour. I think we talked to to Mallard and said he, the they saw a sea lion hunt recently that was four hours, and and these things typically can go 45 minutes an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, we've had them go like three or four hours before. I mean, we had to leave. Yeah, and so this looked like it was. Pretty early in, the 68Cs and the 49As all go on a dive with, and the 123s were on a dive as they were coming into the scene. And it was a ended up. It being was a long, long dive. dive. It that had to be a seven eight minute dive. They were down for a long time. We didn't know exactly where they were going to come back up, and and we're like, where's the sea lion? Because he had been at the surface yeah. getting as much as many breasts as he could. And as soon as the whales went down, the sea lion was gone and we never saw the sea lion again. <laughs> no, they started eating right, right, that. right <laughs> off the bat. And, and I mean, one twenty three came in and she was like, let's get this done, get it done. And then every freaking bird in, in a 10 mile radius came in to get, <laughs> including some eagles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they're, you know, all the whales had kind of, come in towards the sea line. We saw T49A1 take mm-hmm. some lunges at it. So they were all participating, but it seemed like there's a lot of juveniles between the 49As mm-hmm. and 68Cs. And it seemed like it was mostly the juveniles. Mm-hmm. But like you said, when 123s came in, I feel like one, you know, 123 being who she is, I was just like, oh, we're not dragging this one out. Like yeah. it's lunchtime. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's time to eat. So what, what, when you say that, like because of who she, like, what are you, what are you talking about? Talk, Talk to me about that. That's, well, that's curious. A couple things about her come to mind. Um, <laughs> one is she's a very large for a female. Um, she's larger she's the than, largest, right? she's longer than some of the adult male bigs killer whales. Wow. Yeah. I think over, 20, over, over 20, 24 feet long. I think. Wow. Between 23 and 24, I think. Okay. Um, but the largest female um, killer whale that has been measured mm-hmm. in these waters by Probably by a couple feet, maybe. Right. Um, so she's a force to be reckoned with. And Sarah, maybe you can speak to this. I just get the impression that maybe she doesn't get along with everybody. Yeah. Like, like the T49As get along with everyone. They're everybody's like pal. Everybody <laughs> hangs out with the 49As, but not everybody hangs out with the 123s. Yeah, I would go I would go so far to say as to say not everyone hangs out with the 123s and there have been instances when we've had like groups of bigs socializing together and then T123 and her family come in and then all of a sudden like the whales are porpoising in different directions. <laughs> You know, funny, but we had the T75Bs. I think the T60s were in there. There were other families, T36Bs, I think. I don't know. There were a lot, like four or five different families, 65Bs maybe. And T123 came in, like with her family, to all these whales, just like socializing, spy hopping all together, rolling around. And then like, they all went on a dive. She came in. They went on this kind of like long dive as they all came together. And within two minutes, the 60s and another group, maybe it was the 75Bs, were hightailing it out wow. of there. Like porpoising, porpoising out of there. And T123 and T123D were porpoising after, like dolphin leaping, chasing them for half a mile before they stopped, turned around and went back to the others and started socializing with the other group. Wow. 
Okay. <laughs> so I don't know how to interpret that. Maybe it was just fun, but it sure seemed like get the heck out of here, you know, like well, she was chasing them and then and I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't I I see the 123s most often just the 123s. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't see them with other families very much. And if I do, it's a lot of the times with relatives, like it's with the 46s or with, you know, 46 bees or some okay so so the 123s came into the sea lion hunt and it got it. It, yeah it, it, it was it was a done deal at that point and then it was just a whole lot of prey sharing and socializing yeah, socializing someone, and breaching. someone asked me this question they said how far would one sea lion go without many whales but right thinking maybe it's just a snack mm-hmm. but stellar sea lions are big they're yeah. massive yeah. Um, they get up to 2,500 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like we mentioned, it could take hours for even a group of orcas to sure. take them down. To me, my impression, you know, we ended up with what we think 14 whales there. Mm-hmm. That seems like food for the day for all of them. Potentially. Most likely close yeah. to. Well, especially after, you know, m- most of those whales had just had a, a minky in the last week. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, it was like two days before it was. Maybe I'm, that's what 123 was saying. Like, you guys have been feasting, like, hand over that yeah, sea line. Yeah, hand over right? the sea line, right. It's like, yeah, it's like, how much are you guys going to eat the Friday after Thanksgiving? Like, you killed a minky in 20 minutes and it's taking you this long to work on a sea <laughs> lion. <laughs> Let's do this. We were there for a few hours after the death of the sea lion and it was super super social yeah um, lots of prey sharing lots of breaching and couldn't ask for a more picturesque setting oh, really than spiden was so spiden in the fall uh beautiful green you know if you've if you've been here in the summer it's it dries out and it's brown mm-hmm. but it comes back to life this time of year with the rain and but it was sunny calm this is one of those days, especially this time of year, because it's so quiet on the water. Mm-hmm. The weather is was beautiful. The lighting this time of year is the best lighting. Like you, at one o'clock in the afternoon, you're getting this like low l- angle, mm-hmm. yeah, golden light. Yeah. yeah, at one o'clock in the in the afternoon, and yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm just grateful that we were able to go out there and see what we saw. Well, and we. We do get our, you know, winter storms that pass through, but but in between them, really all winter, we get these beautiful days. Yeah. And the way that it is now with bigs, killer whales, and everything else here, some I feel like some of our best wildlife days have been, absolutely. you know, November to February. Yeah, a- yeah, absolutely. I mean, today was a great example. We didn't see killer whales today, but we saw four different humpbacks, mm-hmm. two singles, and then, and then a pair. What really stands out, like the pair that we saw in the Strait of Georgia, it was Gibbous and Divot, and they were traveling together, and just this incredible late afternoon lighting at two o'clock in the afternoon, with these beautiful backlit blows, glassy water, and we're the only ones there, and it's like you're right, and I've never you express that better than I've that I've are ever articulated in my own head is that we do or get now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. I, we get lots of, of days of big wind and rain and we can't go out there. But in between those fronts, we get these beautiful days all winter long. And if you can time it right, it's great to come out on the water all, all winter long. The whales and wildlife 
are pretty spectacular. Any other standout um, moments from <laughs> the sea lion hunt? Are, oh, I mean, there was one. Yeah, there was one. Are we telling that oh, story? There's, there's a lot. <laughs> I, I, why not? I feel like we should. I think we should too. I, I mean, we 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 didn't. You know, like it happens. These there things was happen, n- right? There's nothing we can do to control. There it. was no, well, th- nothing we can do to control it, and nothing we could do to make it happen. Right. No. So. We were shut down. Yep. Um, the whales had been pretty far off. They, so it was It was actually, this was a really interesting part of the encounter too, was that T-49A1, for the most part, he participated in the hunt, but he did not seem to participate in the prey sharing. Right. I think, I think, right. He, I think he got the end piece and, and, and went and took it off. So. <laughs> he got, by, he got choice, the back flipper. <laughs> by choice or was that what he was given? It, I, I don't know. But I do, want, I do want to jump onto your beginning of this is that we were all looking at and taking videos and photos of forty nine a one. Well, that's what that's what I was going to say yeah. was that he was coming back in and to rejoin the group, and so he had popped up closer than he had been in quite a while. But he was so still he was he was still uh, probably a little over two hundred yards away from us when 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 we all got him in that video. Yeah, so he was he was heading back towards the group. So we were had cameras out uh, filming, you know, yep. I was filming with my phone Me and too. then out of nowhere, T68. Aaron, Aaron should turn the podcast off now. <laughs> <laughs> She's already seen the video. <laughs> um, T68C3 dolphin leaped off the stern and created a huge splash that landed in my lap um, I've gotten I've gotten blow in the face before, like killer whale exhalation, an exhalation of a whale. Yeah. Um, thank you. But this was a whole other level of a whale being in the splash zone. Um, I mean, I Jeff, you saw it from a different perspective. I feel like I was just in shock seeing it. Yeah. But how close to the boat was that whale? I so I was standing on the bow. So this, you were on the, on the stern and that it happened on the stern. I was on the bow. This is a 26, 27 foot boat, not, not a very big boat. So I'm up there taking video of 49A1, who's you know 200 yards ahead of us, kind of at our 11 o'clock going to the rejoin the group that was kind of off our two o'clock that was further than 200. And yeah, we were shut down and. I saw this happen out of the, not the corner of my eye more than the corner because I did see the whole thing, but I was it wasn't right in front of me because it was at the back of the boat, and I wasn't sh- I was like wow is who who is sixty eight C three C three I was like I think sixty eight C three might be in Monica's lap. <laughs> I mean, it was, it like from the perspective that I was looking at it, it was, I mean, it was like, well, my life did flash before my eyes. Like yeah, it was mine, that close. Yeah. My, mine too. Um, and she, I'm not sure if we know if it's, a, know. it's, it's juvenile, yeah. but it was completely, Is it, it was really big. Oh, 11, no, I'm 11 I'm or 12. So, no, I know. I know. I know. Uh, not, not full size yet. No, very large animal. That's my takeaway um, from that whole thing is you realize how big, are yeah. big. They're yeah. big animals. But completely airborne, like full body airborne on this dolphin leap. Yeah. And it was over in a split second. 
but I was drenched. My camera was drenched. Yeah. Um, and none of us had any idea, like, that it was she there. wasn't... No, she had not been there. she wasn't there. with the group right. yeah. that was over 200 yards at our 2 o'clock. Like, we had no idea where she came from. And it it really was like, what what was that? What is she doing? <laughs> so they had, at this point, they had kind of finished prey sharing and it seemed like they were just kind of goofing around before moving on. And so, Sarah, you and I talked about it afterwards. Like, was this intentional mm-hmm. on her part? And it seems like it must have been. Must have been. Isn't pretty much everything they do intentional? I mean, these are, I mean, how, how many times do we talk about it? how smart they are and how intelligent and how emotional and... But I guess, I guess my question was, was she just leaping because they had been leaping all over the place post hunt anyway, or was this specifically targeted like towards the people? She knew, she knew where we were. Like we were very much a obvious non-moving target. Right. right. And and we had been in proximity. We had been in proximity to them, to, to all these killer whales for, I think, Three, you know, no, it was like an hour and a half. Or was something. it really? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, whale it's, time is warp time. Well, we had to leave after this moment because you were soaked in freezing cold. Freezing. I thought I was cold before because it was cold yeah. out there. But when you get however many gallons that was of Salish Sea dumped on you, that's a different level of cold. Yeah. I was, I had to go home and straight into a hot shower. Yeah. I was soaked from like the knees down, but I had missed the most of it. Yeah. This Thanks was, taking I, it was, uh, the team. A very spectacular and fleeting moment. But I think it was definitely intentional. And, and I do think, like, I've had moments where usually young whales in yep. that age range yep. have done things not like that, but similar in vain. And I really think, and this is totally just me going, you know, making this anecdotal, whatever, um, that the, it was like, they were trying to mess. It was a mess around. Like they're trying to mess with to get a reaction, you know? Well, they got, they one. got one. <laughs> no, I know in my video, I'm pretty sure one of us screamed very high pitched. No, that was April. Was that April? Okay. <laughs> I, like, I do not scream like that. <laughs> I was like, I don't usually either, but it sounded like, Oh, maybe it was you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, I do think it was intentional and it, I don't know what that intention was, but I no, I think it was just a fun, goofing. a funny, yeah. It it didn't feel vicious, or no, anything, no, no, right? No, no, no. It was just like, ha ha. Oh, yeah, like, no, it yeah. seemed gotcha. Yeah, you know, yeah, it seemed more um, the feel of it. If if there can be a feel, to me, was more humor. Yeah, and play, definitely not like a. a there was nothing about that that was aggressive. Almost like, and this people, I'm sure I'm going to get people like, that's not like that at all. Almost like when your dog or cat gets the zoomies and they like run up to you and they like, you know, spin around and then they zoom off. Or like do parkour off your yeah, legs. On yeah, it was wall. almost yeah. like that. That was kind of the energy I got. Yeah. And just, I mean, wasn't persistent, right? Didn't know. Just went right back to the group. I th- I think. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, just yeah, just casually swam back to the rest of the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was like whale zoomies. <laughs> New term coined right here. I like it. On whale episode zoomies. twenty. We um we need to do uh, meet the matriline, um which is funny because we were talking about the like the one twenty threes. Well, we're all three here. We could just. 
chat about them. Yes. And then uh, we do Don't Go Away. We have a couple of housekeeping promo things to talk about. Yeah, the 123s who are in on the sea lion hunt, they are the ones that came in and, you know, she said, let's get this done already. Um, Sydney. Yes. Is, is T-123. T-123. She's born in 1986. No. <laughs> so there you go. I'm out. <laughs> but you were close. 1985, approximately oh, 1985. 86. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. And presumed. She's an 80s child. Daughter of T-46. Presumed daughter of T-46, the legend. Uh, who was the one of the last killer whales captured in the state of Washington um, in 1976, Bud Inlet. And her capture was what kind of prompted, long story short, was what outlawed the capture of orcas in Washington state. Uh, she, quick recap on T-46. She showed up the following year with a calf, T-46A, and then disappeared for 13 years. And that was kind of where Monica and I were talking about these, like we want a whale to come back from the dead. Yeah. Uh, well, 13 years later, T-46 uh, quote unquote came back from the dead uh, and she had two juveniles with her that were given the IDs T-122 and T-123 um, because while they were very young, they were not new enough. They had not been seen with her as newborns, so we couldn't 100% confirm they were her daughters. But T-122 that you actually gave... The nickname too, Sinteki, um, spent her like l- stayed with T forty six until T forty six passed away this year, and T one twenty three, you know, split off when she started having her own calves. T one twenty two never has never had a successful calf. And I know this isn't meet the T forty sixes, but okay. for those wondering, T forty six A did not come back with them. Right for a long time, I think people thought T one twenty two was potentially T forty six A. Uh, that is not the case. Correct. So, um, so T-123, presumed daughter of T-46, uh, still has siblings out here, T-46B, T-46C, um, you know, and then, you know, the younger, younger brothers. is proper. Yeah. 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 Um, and she has had four offspring, three of which are still alive. So the big male, Stanley. Stan the man. T-123A. T-123A. Mm, looked like he was in a food coma after that sea <laughs> yeah, lion. I know, right? Because <laughs> he, he was did. just logging. logging at the surface. Yeah. And yeah. everyone loves Stanley. Everyone that, that, like, he's one of the most loved whales out here when people. A lot of people ask about him. Yeah. 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 He And he, I will also say, he's a really photogenic whale. I don't know why that is, but some of my best, sharpest Killer whale pictures are of Stanley. <laughs> oh, the camera loves him. The camera <laughs> the loves camera Stanley. The camera does love Stanley. Everybody loves Stanley. So he was born in the year 2000. Um, and this family, I should say, the T123s are named, I think, by Vancouver Aquarium, have yes. naming rights on them. And so Sydney is named for Sydney, BC. Stanley, born in 2000, I'm assuming, named for the Stanley Cup. Stanley maybe. Park. Stanley Park, okay. I made that same mistake I was, when I was talking about I was about thinking, them like, maybe week. the Canucks won the shh, Stanley Cup. Shh, the Canucks have not won the Stanley Cup. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's going to be a, a sore point for some listeners. I'm sorry. I'm sure. I'm sorry. We, we, did we just lose listeners? <laughs> you may have. <laughs> we can cut that out. <laughs> they deserve to win. Um, but they're off to their uh, best start ever. Okay, season, well. So maybe this is the year. There we go. Um, and then Lucky, T123C, born in 2012. And Lucky got her name because there was a pretty interesting thing that happened with the T123s. 
the year before she was born. And we're going to put a link. There's a great YouTube video about this um, that we'll put a link yeah. in the show notes. But in must see video 2011 T123, so Sydney and Stanley stranded in Prince Rupert, and they were stranded on this mud flat. And we'll put a link. But if you type into your YouTube search, like orca crying on the beach, you're going to eventually come up with a video. And it's not the one of the orca on the rocks, like all these like you know rocky outcropping. You can also search on that tool I was talking to you about earlier too. Um, Google. Google the yeah. Google. I actually have not seen this video. Oh. oh, it's it's incredible. But it's on a mud flat, and it's teenage Stanley crying, and this woman's That's consoling on, him. Oh. Um, so they, they stranded on this mud flat and presumably they were in pursuit of prey and the yeah, tide yep, was going out. Yep. And, yeah. and just for those that are not familiar with, you know, like our tidal swings up here, like here in the Salish sea, like a 13 foot exchange. So still a pretty big exchange, much bigger up there. As you get up into Northern BC and into Alaska, you're talking like 30 plus feet. So, I mean, if you misjudge the tides, it can be you're and laying we talked, on a mud flat crying. <laughs> You're laying on a mud flat crying. Or you're that's a t-shirt or, right or you're there. stuck in Barnes Lake for 44 days. That's a, that's a t-shirt right there. Um, so these two were stranded. Eventually the tide did come back in. They, uh, they did survive um, and swam off. And the next year, Lucky was born. And that is lucky because Sydney stranded and, you know, whales, the way they're built, don't have internal bone structure to support their internal organs a lot of times when they strand they're actually suffocating because all of that weight is on their lungs and they can't breathe um so you would have thought like a fetus might have been crushed and pregnancy lost but nope lucky survived was born is healthy she's still around and got the name lucky and that's why and then t123b so, t123b you had mentioned she oh, had four offspring yeah sorry um maybe I don't even know when they passed away. Um, no, I don't know off the top of my head, but one one didn't survive. Yeah, T123B, second offspring, did not survive. I believe passed away prior to 2011. Yeah, because like, it was just the two yeah, of them on yeah, the beach, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then in 2018, Sydney gave birth to her late, latest offspring, uh, which is Darcy, named for Darcy Island. Uh, and little female, we saw her pretty... Soon after she was first discovered, she was little, little. Darcy? Yeah, when she was first seen. So, so And she's not little, little named anymore. Named for another place in BC. Yeah, like she, I just Darcy, said. You're not Darcy. paying attention. You were on your phone. Sorry. but <laughs> <laughs> I was just making sure you were paying attention. <laughs> but that was five years ago, T123. I think she's due for another. Yeah, she could. She's 38. That would be cool. You know? That would be she cool. She could have another. one more or... I mean, she could have as many more as she wants. But, um, <laughs> no yeah. one's going to tell her otherwise. No, no. I was no. going to say, you're saying that like you're afraid of her. I'm a little afraid of her. No, <laughs> not not really. She's a cool whale. Um, so, yeah, that's the T-123s. And they're, they're one of the match lines that we can see here and do see here every month of the year. Yeah. Like... They're around in the winter quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're a really good example. Like all year, not, they're not here all year long, but you can see them any month. Yeah. They're a really cool family. I've had some really amazing encounters with them. Um, and very photogenic family. I think people like Stanley cause he has 
the really big rostrum that kind of like overhangs his lower jaw, which is not unique to Stanley, but a lot of people are like, oh, Stanley has the overbite, you know, like that's what they are underbite. I don't. He's just a charismatic. He's well. a very he charismatic. Is. He, he is. And the camera loves him. So that's Meet the Matriline T123 edition. If you have any questions about them, you have a Matriline you're interested in hearing more about. Or you have any questions or topic suggestions, you can email us at afterthebreachpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, there's also on our website, um, afterthebreachpodcast.com, uh, there is information for our photo workshop for next August. Mm-hmm. If you are interested in our 2025 charter to swim with the humpbacks of the Silver Bank, uh, send us an email. We will be putting info up on the website. Yeah, shortly. we're already about yeah, we've almost got, halfway full. We're actually. almost halfway full, which is yeah. which is amazing. Um, so. It's a really good good group of people, and that's going to be that. Uh, that's a, a a once in a lifetime type of exp- and, and a life changing. It experience. says the guy that goes every year. Well. <laughs> but it it is a life changing experience. It we is talked about it. I wouldn't be here doing this if I had never gone to the Silver Bank. Yeah, and and we talked about that with Gene. Like we say, it's once in a lifetime, and then you go and you're like, I can't just do this once in my lifetime. And to me, isn't I mean, aren't many bucket list experiences? I think shouldn't be like, oh, it's a bucket list experience so i'm gonna check done. the box and be done yeah. it's like you know i've i just checked one of those i don't need to do again full <laughs> <Level laughs> water getting completely drenched by a wild orca that's i'm i'm glad that it happened but i'm good i'm honestly i'm good i'm yeah, good yeah i think my point is there are experiences that where it'd be cool if i experienced that once and then there are what a lot of people call bucket list items that i don't think are bucket list. like it's not a, a check this off it's something that you want to do as many times as you possibly can. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's lots of those things, and we're going to get, like, philosophical here, where, you know, it's, it's so... Philosophical an hour and 11. <laughs> it speaks to you so much that it becomes a bucket list item. Like, this is something I need to do before the end, right? But if it's something that speaks to you that much, it's not something that you're just going to want to do once. So do it as soon as possible. And as many so you, times as, as possible. as many times as you can. <laughs> Um, and for, for many people, the silver bank is that kind of an experience. Um, it's not, we go back and listen to, I think our episode of whales around the world that we talked about, um, after last winter where, you know, it's, it it does take a commitment and it is not, uh, not the easiest boat ride sometimes getting out there, um, on the overnight crossing episode 11, episode 11. Um, but it is. Once you're out there and you're with the whales and you see how many humpbacks are out there and what's going on, you realize it was it was worth the sacrifice to get out there. And Monica, thank you. Uh, always, it's always great having having you on. Um, I always appreciate your approach to the numbers um, and your thoughtfulness behind them. Uh, it's not just like throwing out random num- like numbers of like, oh, this many sightings, but what it all means, you are the person that I would I would have picked to be in that seat on the boat yesterday to get that, that <laughs> Thank experience. Thank you, I think. <laughs> uh, but always, always a pleasure to, to chat with you guys about whales, uh, whether we're recording or not. So thanks for having me.
And my apologies to the Canucks fans out there <laughs> for messing up that. But I'll be rooting for you guys this year. Obviously, I know very little about hockey. Monica is going to teach me more. So if you have any questions uh, about any of this, yeah, get in touch with us. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please sh- share it with your friends. And by all means, no matter what you do, stay safe out there. Sarah? Stay safe out there.